Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay, and if you don't know me, I'm a survivor of narcissistic abuse in a queer relationship, and I'm here to validate and support others who are or have been in my shoes and to help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Obviously, I'm here for my queers, but everyone is welcome here. Today, I'm going to talk to you about crying in front of an abusive person. It's a pretty ugly topic, so let's let's dive in with caution. <laughs> when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. As I said, today I'm going to talk to you about my experience with crying in front of an abusive person. I once saw a TikTok or an Instagram reel from Kimberly Weeks, who is a narcissistic abuse coach, and she gave three different examples of how it might be when you're crying in front of an abuser. And I can't remember exactly how it was. Um, Obviously, I'm not here to diagnose anybody, um, but, you know, they can have different reactions. Like, they can laugh at you, they can get angry with you, they can shut down. Um, So please remember that this might look different depending on your abuser and your situation, But again, I'm going to tell a couple stories, a couple of situations that I did experience with my ex, and I just want to, before we get into this, remind you to proceed with caution because if you have been in these kinds of relationships where you're being treated even worse once you finally start crying after the six-hour argument that you've just been in or whatever, this is going to be very difficult to listen to. So please, again, proceed with caution and uh, let's dive in. The other day I was reflecting on what it was like to cry around my ex and I can remember um, in the last year, year and a half, what it was like to cry and when I would like have these huge breakdowns and it was really intense and how horrible they were and I thought to myself, Lindsay, how did you not know this in the beginning? Because as I've mentioned before, I came into this relationship having just lost my best little buddy, my Yorkie dog that was killed right in front of me. And my abuser was the one who swept in, saved the day, saved my life, saved my whatever you want to call it. I actually detail that a little bit in the episode called Hero or Villain. Um, And so obviously I was crying at the beginning of this relationship. I was grieving the loss of my dog. I was having to get rid of my my other dog because he's the one who unfortunately accidentally killed my Yorkie. And so that's two dogs gone. I went from three dogs to one dog in the blink of an eye. I was totally alone for the most part. I was just going through a lot, which if you're listening to this, you probably know and you probably can relate to the fact that a lot of times when these relationships are starting, you are at a low point in life. You're 
I got cut off. But yes, you are at a low point in your life. You're extremely vulnerable. You're grieving some sort of horrible loss. Maybe you just went through a breakup. Maybe you just moved to a city and you're feeling completely alone. You're just down. You're not doing great. And these people, of course, come along, save the day, give you everything you want, you know, distract you from the pain that you're going through, etc. Um, but anyway, I remember very early on crying on the kitchen floor and I was writing, I was, you know, my son was asleep. So I was like out in the kitchen and I was like, like crying pretty hard, not just like a cute little sniffle, you know, lone tear. It was like a hard cry. And I was journaling about the moment that my dog, um, Millie passed away and it was something that was very difficult to process. A couple weeks had passed and I was like, I got to get this one out. I'm going to just journal. I'm going to let the tears flow. And I was also, um, drinking a little bit. I had a drink next to me and I was sitting there and it was like maybe midnight and I was just like, we're going to do this. We're going to grieve. We're going to let it out. We're going to process it. And they came out, you know, they woke up and realized I wasn't there and they like came out and were like, what are you doing? And I was like, writing. And they just were like, kind of just gave me this blank look like what the hell is wrong with you? And then just walked away. Which at the time I was like, I mean, I don't even remember what I thought about them walking away like that. But if you think about it, like, that's just not a healthy response to someone crying. If someone was crying on the kitchen floor, I don't care if it's like a friend, you know, a roommate, someone that I know very well or not, I'm not going to just walk away from them. I'm not going to give them a dirty, disgusted look. I'm not going to leave them alone in their pain. I'm going to sit next to them or I'm going to ask them, you know, do you want to be alone right now? Do you want me to just sit with you while you write? Is there anything I can bring you? What would help you in this moment? And of course, if they say I'd like to be alone, then okay, maybe I check on them again later. If they want me to just sit with them, I'm going to sit with them. You know, again, looking back, that was like one of the earliest WTF moments in terms of crying in front of an abusive person. Obviously, at that time, I was completely unaware of what I was getting myself into, um, I was several weeks in and I don't know if I have outright said how early the physical abuse started with this person, um, but it was within six weeks. So I don't know if this was before or after that, but either way, I still just had no idea what I was dealing with. So I can remember, so there was a time that my abuser and I moved to another town about 45 minutes away from my son's dad more queer friendly town we kind of wanted to like get out of this small town to sort of start over or this is what we said um now I know that it was actually an isolation tactic this is one of the things that they tend to do with partners to get them away from the life that they know etc I actually think I'm going to talk about that in the next episode but um I just thought that we were going to start over to have more to do to be around queer people and to just let the dust settle um, with my son's dad and for us to all figure out our roles and our connections and how things were going to work. Anyway, I can't recall any specific crying moments when we were in that other town, but soon after we moved back to be close to my son's dad because I was very physically sick, which again is another episode. I'm sorry about that. Um, 
our, our mattress was still on the floor. Like things weren't even set up yet. And I remember just having this massive breakdown. I don't remember what it was about, but I remember being curled up in a ball, dissociating, you know, just being like, I, I gone like on this other plane and they just literally just laid there like a sack of potatoes. Didn't touch me. Didn't like reach out to me. Didn't say anything to me. And just let me cry for a very long time. And that's actually one of the more like mild responses that they had towards me when I would have that kind of breakdown. Um, But it's just kind of scary to think about being, you know, crying so loudly. Like you see in the movies and having someone just sit there. And I remember I had my back to them because I was facing the wall. So again, I don't know if they were rolling their eyes. I don't know if they were on their phone. I don't know. I remember one time um, that I... (laughs) Sounds like I just cry all the time. These were obviously very... They were like spread out from each other. But there were multiple episodes of these breakdown cryings. Which again, if you've been in this situation before, you're like, yeah, me too they happen. They happen periodically, sometimes more often, sometimes, you know, months can go by and you don't have these kinds of breakdowns. But, you know, side note here, it's not really healthy to have these kinds of breakdowns in relationships. Obviously, if you are, there's probably a reason for it. There's probably something going on. It's not funny. I'm just like, wow, like I must have known that something was seriously wrong because I didn't have those kinds of breakdowns in other relationships. Like, of course you cry. Of course you have misunderstandings. Of course, You go through things in your life, times in your life where you're going to cry more because whatever. But to have these breakdowns over and over and over again because of their relationship and how you feel and how, you know, what's going on and the lack of connection or lack of communication or whatever it is, not good, y'all, not good. Anyway, um, so I'm crying again. I'm in full-on breakdown, you know, crying and wailing like it's a movie scene. And they literally got up and they said, I'm going to leave because I know that you're crying because of me and I can't help you. And just like walked off, left me alone, probably for a good hour while I just laid there. And again, you dissociate, you're crying, you're sitting there, you're, you're processing the feelings that were brought up in order to make you cry. And then now you're also going, what? What's good? They really just left. And oh, do I hear the TV? The TV's on. They're watching TV, like just chilling, relaxing while I'm crying. And they know that I'm crying because they said, I know that you're crying because of me. The last specific incident that I'm going to talk about before we kind of hash this out a little bit more is a time that we were alone at the house. My son was with his dad and I started crying again, doing the thing. And they, they came into the room and I heard them grab something and then they left. They didn't say anything to me at all. They just came in, walked over to like their night side table thingy, grabbed something and left. So about an hour later, I'm finally calm again. Um, and I come out and like go to them, which is twisted. And I'm like, why do you have a knife next to you? And they looked me in the eyes and said, you were crying so loud that I was afraid you were going to hurt me. And I'm just like, you think that a person who's 
curled up in a ball crying is gonna you you need a knife now like so then obviously we can I'm gonna probably get a little bit deeper into this but so if someone says that they got a knife because you were crying too loudly what are you thinking now you're going oh okay let's forget the fact that I just had a breakdown because they were gaslighting me because they were blaming me for something because they were complaining about the same thing that we've been talking about for, you know, two years now. I'm so tired. I'm so worn out. That doesn't matter anymore. Now they're calling me violent. They're calling me scary. They are, they're this scared little victim trapped in this house with a dangerous person. And you're just like, wait a minute. Okay, you're the one who's laid your hands on me throughout this relationship. I have never done the things that you have done to me. And you are telling me that you are afraid of me. Y'all, this is the stuff. This is the stuff that this kind of person will do to you when you are at your first. They'll push you to a complete collapse. And then when you're in it, they'll make you feel worse. They'll walk away from you. They'll laugh at you. They'll, you know, like I said, ignore you. Go sit down, watch Netflix, play a video game. Be completely calm while you're still crying. They'll gaslight you. They'll make you feel like you're the one causing the problem, that you're the crazy one. You're the bad one. You're the aggressive one. And I tell you what, if I had known and understood what was going on the first time that they treated me that way, I would have left. But because they confuse you so much when you're in it, you don't know what's going on. You do feel crazy. I mean, this is just one of the many, many tactics that they use to make you feel crazy. And so when you add it all up together, I mean, you must be crazy, right? So, you know, I'm not, I'm not an expert in how the brains of how the brains of narcissists work, or again, referring to that TikTok from Kimberly Weeks, she goes into the detail of whether the, the their reaction is narcissistic, psychopathic, or sociopathic, I believe. And so, I, you know, I'm not going to go into detail on that because I don't know. But again, they might laugh at you um, because it brings them pleasure. They might get annoyed with you and be like oh you're gonna cry now oh you're gonna do oh my god you're just over here trying to get attention you're just trying to you know make this all about you I'm the one who's struggling blah 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 and it it enrages them but they've also pushed you there on purpose so it's just really again confusing it's twisted and you can tell the difference because if you're in a healthy relationship For example, I'm just going to use my son's dad because he's a good person and he never abused me and we get along great. Um, I've mentioned this before, but we co-parent together. We work very closely together. If we're having an argument and I get to the point where I start crying, usually in real life when I'm not being abused, I only cry when I'm really mad and usually it's when I'm mad at myself. And so, you know, I'll start crying and the conversation stops because he's looking at me and he's like, Okay, I don't really understand why you're crying, but I we can't keep talking because I need to make sure that you're okay before we go and talk about anything else. Like, 
what's going on? Like, you're so sad now. I didn't realize you were so sad while we were having this conversation. Like, it's not normal to then be mad or laugh at someone when they're crying. It's normal to be like, hey, what's going on? You know, I think that maybe we've had a misunderstanding. I, uh, I'm not mad at you. I just don't, you know, understand X, Y, Z or whatever. You slow the conversation down. You offer like he would, and he still does. He's not my partner. And if I start crying, he wants to give me a hug. He wants to be nurturing. He wants to be comforting because that's like a healthy human response when you see someone upset. Um, But I know that from what I could tell with my ex, they found pleasure in getting me to that point because it gave them power. It gave them power. It gave them, again, another opportunity to add that extra last, the knockout punch, which was like, good, now that I've got you here, broken down. You're scaring me. I'm afraid for my life. (laughs) So it's really, it's a lot of demonstrating their power over you, their ability to break you down, to get you to that point, and then to abandon you, to make you feel like you're not worth comforting, um, whatever it is. Again, you know, I don't have that brain. I don't really fully understand why that is. I just really wanted to come on here and talk about this because it's so easy to kind of look past those behaviors when you're in it. And it's very difficult to understand. And as I said before, it's, it's just confusing. You don't know what is reality and what is not. So you don't know after those things happen, if you are overreacting and you are crazy and you feel bad for them that they have to deal with you or is there something really wrong here and something off like your gut has been telling you for the past two years or 10 years or whatever. So again, I just wanted to share my experience with this with all of you in the hopes that if this has happened to you, if you have been treated this way, that you can start to understand and that you can start to not feel crazy and you know, if you're still in it and there's no, you know, hope on the horizon of you getting out anytime soon, journal it when it happens. Write down what was happening before, during, and after. Write down what they said to you. Write down their reaction. Pay attention to the way that they change once you do start breaking down. Because when they started the conversation or when y'all started the conversation, were they yelling at you? Were they yelling with you? Were they you know, was it this conversation going back and forth where they're cutting you off? They're throwing in word salad, which is like mumbo jumbo just to confuse you. They are in it. They are right in it. They're going like head to head with you, trying to convince you that you're wrong, trying to prove some weird random point that you don't really understand what it is because they're talking in circles. And then all of a sudden when you cry, they're quiet. They're calm. They're good. Um, and this is something else that tendency to be pushy in your face, arguing, and then to be calm is a huge part of reactive abuse, which Again, I'm going to save for another episode because that's a whole other thing and we could talk about that forever, but pay attention, pay attention to what's going on and write it down. And if you remember the way that it was the previous times that this happened, write those down too. dig deep, journal about it, try to think how you felt before, during and after and know that it's not you. It's not you. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. 
kind of hard to talk about this. I don't like to think of myself like that. I don't like to look back on the way that I was in that relationship um, and the things that I went through in that way. Like, obviously, these are a part of my story. I'm processing them out loud as I heal in the hopes to help others. But really thinking about and remembering those lowest of low points is very difficult. So if you are here and that was really hard for you to listen to, drink some water, do something nice for yourself today, take a minute, take some deep breaths, try to ground yourself because this is not an easy thing to talk talk about, listen to, etc. If you like this episode, please remember to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. I really want to get this into the ears of the people who need it the most. And your interaction, um, your ratings, everything like that really does help to get it out there in the world. If you want more from me, you can always find me at the Lindsay Goodman on TikTok and Instagram, or you can visit my website, thelindsaygoodman.com. Hang in there, everyone. Take care, and I will be back next week with another episode.